0: Welcome to the MVP Show. Our guest today is Mario Gomez. Has an awesome background in Dynamics GP, although is starting to pivot more into the Power Platform, Power Apps, and Flow. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guide.com forward slash one one three. Now let's get on with the show. Mariano, welcome to the MVP Show.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm excited to get you on air and have a conversation. As in, we've kind of moved in different circles. I see you've been an MVP. What coming up? Twelve years now.
1: Yes, sir. With the um, with the powers with the powers to be, I will certainly hit that mark. Um, hopefully, July 1st is a good news day for me.
0: Yeah. So, so to our listeners, we're recording on the 27th of June, which means July 1st is kind of D-Day for us all, whether we get renewed or not. And so (laughs) there's a bit of kind of like, hmm, am I through? Nobody knows that you basically wait for an email to hit your inbox uh, on that morning sent around Seattle, 9 a.m. Seattle time, I think it is. And, of course, we know whether we're in or out for another year.
1: Yeah, Mark, um, I can tell you one thing, though. After being an MVP for such a long time, I have learned not to stress myself about it. Uh I think um part of what we do is uh we do this without any any um expectations of paid back and uh I certainly have come to just, you know, do my community work, um do it without any expectations and hopefully at the end of the day it pays off and you know, it's been doing that for me, at least for the past 11 years. So uh, one more wouldn't hurt, but, uh you know, I have no expectations of any kind.
0: <laughs> so true. So true. So tell us a bit about where you live in the world.
1: Well, I hail from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States. I've been living here in Atlanta for the past 12 years of my life. And uh, prior to that, I used to live in the um, sunny, sunny South Florida down in uh, you know in the Miami area. so um, you know we moved here after a set of um, business opportunities that my wife got and and um, now we are I guess considered locals, right? <laughs> mm, okay okay okay
0: so so tell us a bit about then family. Uh, what's your family? Uh, kind of what do you get up to when you're you're not doing
1: work? Well, interestingly enough, I have uh, five kids or we have five kids, um, you know, three of them are from my previous marriage. But, you know, we have in total five and and uh, four of them are now adults, literally, and um, they have their own lives pretty much. So we only have a 13 year old here at home who's in uh, eighth grade and um, we are basically busy with him day in and day out. You, if you have teenagers, you kind of know how that goes. So um, we, we love just um, the state of our lives right now, given the fact that we're young parents still. At least I consider myself to be young at 47. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just try to to make it work for for us and for him at this point.
0: Yeah, you're you're a spring chicken. You're not even at half time, right? Fifty years is now half time.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. You know? I'm still I'm still uh, it still weighs in my mind, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I reckon life expectancy for us will easily hit a hundred based on if we just take the trend pattern of the last 100, 200 years. That is we correct. should you know, we should live to be a hundred. So, you know, uh yeah, we're we're only coming up on half time.
1: Yes sir and um I'm looking forward to it. I think the next um you know 10 15 years of my life will certainly bring some more interesting stuff. Um hopefully a lot of it involving the community um but also personally. I I just expect to continue growing from a personal level and a professional level even you know, at that age, if if we still have uh, the life expectancy uh, trends that uh, you just uh, outlined. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, so true, so true. So so tell us, how did you um, become an MVP 12 years ago?
1: Well, that's an interesting story. And um, I don't know if you are familiar with the global um, economic depression that we had back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. The yeah, yeah the, what is
0: that? The um, what there was a name for it. What was it called? Um, oh, there was a term for it. Yeah, I can't it, even think what it
1: was. I yeah. think it was uh, the great de- uh, the great depression. Uh, the de-
0: right? the, I th- the great depression was back in the back in thirties, thirties, yeah. But it was called what? It was a term for it. I just it's at the top of my tongue. The Great what was Recession.
1: It? I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, it was so that a recession. Was the great definitely. Recession. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, bottom line. Um, we had just moved to georgia if you can picture that with my wife and um we were both working for the same employer um so if you if you can relate that to any term that would be having all your eggs in one basket yeah right? yeah yeah i know what you so, mean so um given the fact that the economy turned south we sort of like were both unemployed at the time and um you know we're pretty disciplined or are pretty disciplined financially we've we've always been so we had a chance to you know keep our savings going and that basically run us through the entire um period until we we sort of uh um got back on our feet but you know to make things very um i guess very interesting at the time um, I actually found myself kind of hitting that mental roadblock, uh, against what was going on. And, um, it, it turned out that I turned to the community and started just answering questions online. And back then were were the forums, if you remember, you know, we had these very primitive forums, not the kind of platforms that we have today. <laughs> exactly. And, um, Uh, over a period of time, I would say over a period of three months, I got contacted by Microsoft and they said, hey, we like what you're doing out there with the community. Um, Would you submit yourself to being an MVP? So, you know, back then we could do that. Uh, I I actually filled out uh, the paperwork that was necessary, answered the questions that were necessary, garnered the support of uh, back then two or three MVPs because we didn't have more than two or three MVPs in the GP community and um and uh next thing you know i was uh i was an mvp in july uh, coincidentally enough so um you know from a bad situation i think i turned it into a positive thing just outpouring myself to the community and keeping my mind going uh taking my mind a little bit off the situation that we were living at the time and uh you know made the best of it and here i am
0: so good, so good. Okay, so you came in from the GP or Great Plains part of the world. Was it still called Great Plains in or had it been updated to Dynamics GP?
1: Uh, back then it was still Microsoft Dynamics GP. So we haven't changed that much uh, overall. So it's been it's been quite the ride, I guess.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So interesting, you know, I want to kind of unpack a bit around you know the journey that GP as a product has had. Um, But before we go there, is that still your primary focus now or have you started moving more into the Power Apps Flow part of the world? Uh,
1: Yes, I actually think I pioneered a few of the first sessions around um, how to um, interact your enterprise resource planning system with, or or your on-premise enterprise resource planning system with uh, the Power Platform. So I think I delivered some of the few first sessions around that um but yeah my focus as of late has been more on the power platform side i um while i still continue to do gp for uh, obvious reasons um here at my employer we we actually do isv products around microsoft dynamics gp so that's still my focus but um but i think personally i'm moving more into the power platform uh roles and and um particularly with power apps and and, and flow
0: yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to I'm gonna bring that up in a second, but just before we go there, let's talk a bit about GP. So, you know, we've seen a major pivot in the last two years from Microsoft where they got rid of the word ERP, they got rid of the word CRM, and they came out with Dynamics 365, right? So really kind of breaking down those internal silos that companies have around their ERP and their, you know, CRM data, if you like. And of course, out of that, we've got the Power Platform, Common Data Service underpinning that. But what I've seen is that, you know, we've seen NAV for Microsoft, one of the other ERP products, pivot into becoming um, business central. And we have seen the AX side of things become F&O um, under Dynamics 365. I haven't seen anything around GP, SL for that matter, or Solomon SL, and... Um, What's what's going on? What do you think Microsoft's doing with these two product lines and especially GP?
1: Yes. Um, the focus on the on-prem or what they now call legacy systems has been obviously, you know, declining over the past, I would say, four or five years now. And um, given the fact that NAV and AX were very internationalized products um, that supported many different business scenarios um garnish more of the of the attention of microsoft and and focus to bring those products on on into the cloud which is now what we call dynamics 365 uh for finance and operations and certainly dynamics 365 um uh, business central so respectively so i believe that um Yes, there will be there will continue to be a decline on focus and in new functionality for SL and GP but then you have to ask yourself honestly these are products that have been in the market for over 25 to 30 years now what much more can they add functionality wise to these on-prem products um so they're very mature they're very mature products as it, as it is And uh, that's one thing that customers need to understand, Um, particularly moving from Dynamics GP and SL to any of these other products that are uh, cloud-based products is not a straightforward upgrade. I want to make sure that um, our audience understands that. Um, There is a lot of functionality that is complemented in Microsoft Dynamics GP in particular by ISV products that you cannot get um, when you move to the cloud, okay? So to sell uh, Business Central or Finance and Operations as a straight upgrade from your legacy systems or what we call the on-prem systems, it's a misconception. And I I, I always caution customers to do their homework with the help of their partners because um, I found customers that typically... Try to make that leap, and what they end up doing really is moving to non-Microsoft products because they are, um, you know, they are dissolutioned from um, from from the results of uh, of those type of migrations. So,
0: okay, so is is the product they're moving to Netsuite mainly?
1: Uh, no, actually, interestingly enough, most customers who are on the GP platform are looking at um, Acumatica, which is a Big Microsoft competitor in that space, um, NetSuite to a lesser degree, um, but you gotta keep in mind that most of the most of the GP customers, GP is one of those weird products in in a sense because the strength of GP is really not necessarily in the core of the product itself; it's in the variety of ISV solutions that you can attach to it. And the architecture that those solutions have um, have have brought to life, and the way we integrate with uh, with um, the core application, um, that makes it so interesting for customers. It's a compelling story. Um, yep. So I I just want to make sure that that is out there because um, I don't want to portray any of these cloud solutions as a as, as an option for a straight integration or uh, migration as m- most you know, Microsoft salespeople will want you to believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so if we're thinking about that, right, I see kind of, if I look at, okay, so I, I've got GP in, let's say I've had it in for 10 years, and I used to always hear a figure in the industry that a company maybe every seven to 10 years would look at their software in this space, um, do you see it as that frequent or is it even further out, maybe 15 plus years as um, in that you'd swap out an ERP system?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question because most companies that I know uh, and I've worked with, I've been in the consulting business for over 20 years myself. Um, they tend to evaluate the ERP solutions every seven to 10 years but one thing you got to actually look at is when you look at the com- the compi- um the combined expenditures on your ERP implementations over you know a period of 7 years it can add up pretty quick um you know a lot of it goes into services but a lot of it is also complementary software to your core ERP product so is in the GP space is not is not unheard of that you will find customers that have you know uh, the core gp application but they have 10 15 ISV products okay and these products uh allow you to do many things from uh, enhancing the horizontal aspect of your core product but also introduce a lot of vertical um, you know industry specific solutions that you cannot find today either on finance and operations and even business central so um, you know that's kind of that's kind of where you you get those um those deltas that are significant to uh considering a new erp solution
0: but is is gp as in brand new installs of gp is that happening still or is that not happening anymore is it in other words all the systems in market are under maintenance they you know they have a, a lifespan to continue to go through or are there new implementations being done
1: um my understanding is uh and at, at least from what we see in uh being on ISV is there are still very new implementations happening. They may not necessarily happen at the frequency at um that you would have expected ten, fifteen years ago. But then again, keep in mind that GP has roughly uh if you believe the numbers that you can find online anywhere between forty to fifty thousand customers. Uh it's a it's a huge install base and and um, you know, for being a middle market solution, it was the most dominant middle market solution in the um, in the North American space. Um, we also have pockets of users in Australia, pockets of users in the UK, South America, certainly um, Central America, Mexico. So there is quite a bit of uh, implementations of GP outside of North America itself. So
0: if if a if a company was a 100% Microsoft shop in other words they had office 365 you know that upgraded that part of their organization they're running gp they might have a few workloads running in azure and let's say they said okay we need to we need to go online right whether it be from a uh, a redundancy a risk perspective you know i came from new zealand originally and you know we had an earthquake there some years ago in christchurch and a lot of business infrastructure got wiped out that was kind of on-prem type technology, and kind of brought those businesses to their knees. And so you've got a lot of reasons now why people are going to the cloud. And you know, one can be you know the risk of uh, a natural event happening. The other one, of course, is the adoption of AI and how AI is really transforming a lot of business processes. Um, and any company that want wants to, if you like, get the competitive advantage going forward needs to consider how AI fits into their mix so what's their pivot what's their choice if they decide to deprovision on GP and move to another Microsoft technology what's the logical choice in your mind
1: yeah um, good question in fact uh, one of the um, one of the trends that I'm seeing out there is um, customers moving to uh, business central but um, that migration is basically, a very controlled one in the sense that um, Business Central does have at the core financials level, perhaps some of the capabilities that you would expect from any uh, financial application, right? So a very strong GL, AP, AR, etc. Um, but when you go to the distribution aspects of it, uh, meaning you know sales order processing, purchase order processing, inventory control, that's where, that's where things start to get a little bit more dicey, and n- never mind if you have to add things like field services or any vertical solution. So, you asked me what is the logical choice? What if I told you that the logical choice would be Microsoft Dynamics GP um, in the cloud, hosted as a, on infrastructure as a service?
0: So, yeah, I as a deployment.
1: Correct. So you do have the capabilities of of still using GP in the cloud with its uh, web client. And I know there are a couple um, companies, hosting companies, that do provide that service based on Azure infrastructure. So uh, it's not unheard of. We we have companies in our space that are actually banking their um, entire revenue model on deploying GP in the cloud.
0: So, so what happens then about the AI story? Because IaaS still doesn't necessarily allow you to plug into AI, and are going to open up AI and go. Sorry, uh, APIs and plug into cognitive services, machine learning, that type of thing in Azure. So, are businesses doing this?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you if you actually look at um, uh, you know the way SQL Server is architected, you can then now expose um, SQL Server to uh, any AI capability that Microsoft has, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's only data going back and forth, right? So you can use things like Azure Data Factory to um, to get your data into some uh, cloud repository where it can be further analyzed and and um, and exposed to AI capabilities. Whether that's uh, all the cognitive services capabilities or machine learning, you know, you have all those options. Um, but I you know part of the part of the other aspect of that is the deep integration that Microsoft has done between micro, between g p and um, and uh, the business central intelligent cloud engine so you can you can definitely expose that integration um, via via intelligent cloud and gain immediate access to all the AI capabilities um, from that are built into business, business central of course is a you know it's an attempt as well of gaining the customer base to and gaining the attention of the customer base from a migration standpoint but um if you go back to all these things that I've outlined before functionality being one of the major concerns is not as a as straightforward as it might seem you still have quite a bit of differences between the two products
0: you know what surprised me is that they even bought out um, Business Central. You know, as in, I don't know if you're familiar with Project Green, an internal uh, bit of work some years ago to kind of make one ERP to rule them all type thing. And, you know, one of the challenges Microsoft has had is all these disparate ERPs through acquisitions. And so when I thought see them go to Dynamics 365 and F&O and kind of their cloud offering... Sorry, that's my Siri t- takeoff off. Um, I expected that you know they would stick with one, and then all of a sudden, Business Central comes up, you know, which is obviously a port from NAV by the looks. What What do you think? What were they thinking?
1: <laughs> so actually, history would have it that Project Green was a um, was an attempt about you know in the early 2000s to consolidate all the ERPs, but I think what Microsoft found back then was the fact that customers did like their ERP solution just as is. Um, so consolidating all that functionality at the time probably seemed a little um, uh, you know premature given the fact that um, that they didn't quite understand the ERP market now all there were obviously all these products have their nuances and their idiosyncrasies built in so um it, it was a little bit difficult to engage in that uh, in that project so um moving forward fast forward in about you know 10 more years so we're talking now about 2010 you, you know the acquisition craze uh started uh, or back uh, you know you kind of had passed the acquisition stage i should say and now um You got into the whole building out the cloud, you know, cloud solutions that that we saw or we're currently seeing in the market started with um, CRM now known as, um, you know, Dynamics 365 for sales. Then you had the, um, you know, the addition of uh, finance and operations when they converted the the full AX application to. To being a web-based application, and then started to move that into the cloud. Then was the migration of NAV and and uh, building out the NAV uh, web client. So you know, sort of a, that that whole technology transition, I think, is um, is what drove Microsoft to to basically you know abandon the whole model of consolidating the ERPs. But one thing I can tell you though. Uh, it is clear in my mind that they will continue to um, to invest in making Business Central the um, leading middle market uh, solution to basically replace all these legacy systems. That will happen. Um, it will take time and I don't know how much time Microsoft has uh, allotted to make that happen and see a success story out of it. but. Um, you know, if you, if you can still think about, uh, how customers purchase ERP, because you asked me that question before, um, you know, it's a long cycle. There's a lot of considerations into it and customers just don't replace ERP the way we think they do. It's a monumental investment of time and money. It's not like installing Excel or, or or totally different, totally (laughs) different, totally different.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so so. Here's the other one. Then why didn't they build? Why didn't they build it directly onto CDS? As in business central? Do you think?
1: Why? Uh, well, I would think that the CDS story um, has not evolved as fast as I, I think we would have expected, right? And um, CDS seemed to be at the time one of those esoteric XRM type um, s- platforms. Uh, if you if you cannot go back to the history of where it comes from, and um, and and I don't know that um, converging all this technology onto CDS would have been uh, would have been or has happened as, as fast as uh, we we would in, initially would have anticipated. Point the point here being right now if you look at business central uh, business central does not really effectively take advantage of, uh, CDS fully, um, finance and operations and maybe, um, uh, 365 for sales and customer engagement, all these things do take advantage of CDS because it's native to, to, um, to how they were built. Right. So, uh, it's more of a, I think it's more of a timing issue uh, as, as opposed to anything that would prevent them from getting there. Um, and I don't know from, to be, you know, the, I still sit here trying to understand what the CDS story, um, will be. Um, I'm sure you probably have, you, you've doubled more in that space than I do. And you probably, um, you probably have seen the, the drawbacks and, and the, but certainly the improvements that CDS has had over time, but, you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know where that story is heading. Uh, I have to. I have to see more of it before I. I make any um, in you know, so I can make an informed decision around it. But uh, right now, I just don't have the answer for it.
0: Marino, it's uh, it's been great to have you on the show. Can you believe it? We're already coming up on time. Um, I always love to ask a few kind of end questions. My kind of one for you today would: What's the number one bit of advice? That you would give to an aspiring MVP around what they need to do. If they were just thinking, if they heard this podcast and thought, you know what, I could become an MVP. How how long do you think they should invest time-wise in doing the things that will ultimately get noticed of them ultimately being nominated and becoming an MVP?
1: You know, all the obvious things aside, uh, I think um, you know, and by obvious I mean the forums, the videos, the things that we're doing right now, podcasts, you know, all those obvious things aside, I think one thing that aspiring MVPs need to understand is this is a selfless, um, it's a selfless selfless endeavor. Uh, You know, you do these things because you love them, not because you are expecting some reward from it. Uh, The only reward that we truly get as MVPs from from doing this is to improve the life of other people and make sure that um, they do not experience the difficulties and the hardships that we have uh, have seen, right? That's why we put all this knowledge and content out there. Um, and, and, and certainly uh, the networking aspect is the second thing that I would highlight. So uh, selflessness, um, networking, to me, are at the top of the list of things that aspiring MVPs should be looking at. Um, You know, go to events, meet people, talk to them, understand their problems, and, you know, come up with kick-ass solutions for them.
0: I love it. I love it. Marano it's been awesome to have you on here. I've learned so much today. Uh, I had obviously a lot of gaps around the GP area, and it's been uh, great to kind of get your insights to it and around the MVP program. If people want to kind of connect with you online, what do you recommend? Twitter, YouTube, where, where should they go?
1: Anywhere. <laughs> if you, The way I like to put it is if you can't find me online, there's something wrong with your internet. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You know, certainly on Twitter at DGP Blogster. Um, on Facebook, uh, you can always go to the Dynamics GP Blogster on Facebook, or you can always go to my blog directly, https colon forward slash forward slash Dynamics GP Blogster blogspot dot com. Um, you know, shoot me an email. I'm pretty good at that. Meet me on LinkedIn, wherever you want to, whatever outlet you want to. um really get a hold of me at, you know, meet me at the conferences. I like to talk to people at conferences, and I'm a regular presenter at many of these user group sessions and and certainly the upcoming user group summit in uh, Orlando, Florida, Um, you know. And why not? I travel around the world as well doing other stuff, and, you know, just pick me up anywhere.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about becoming an MVP, you might want to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash NZ365guy. I've got a series that I produce a video every Monday with steps that you can take to become an MVP. Full show notes for this show can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 113. See you next week.